Welcome back to the Addicted Austinite, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. In today's episode, we're carrying on with our in-depth look at sense and sensibility, and in particular, we are going to be focusing on property law and inheritance. So, all of Jane's novels, in some way, deal with the idea of succession and the passing on of property when a father dies. But... Arguably, Sense and Sensibility is the one where it impacts the plot the most. Every character in Sense and Sensibility is driven by their need to secure their future and themselves based around what they're going to be inheriting. For example, in Pride and Prejudice, Mrs Bennet is spending a lot of her time getting her daughter's married off (laughs) and finding a good connection because Longbourn is going to be going to Mr Collins. But arguably that isn't the driving force behind Elizabeth's actions in the novel, whereas in Sense and Sensibility it is the main focus. You've got Eleanor and Marianne and their mother and their sister who have been turned out of their home on the death of Mr Dashwood and they are now at the mercy of Mr Dashwood the younger um, because he inherited the property. You've also got Colonel Brandon who was in the army until his elder brother passed away and it's the love of his life that marries his brother because his brother is the one that's got the house uh, and the property and is inherited whereas poor Colonel Brandon is the second son and joined the army instead. You've also got Mr Willoughby, who has nothing. He's been cut off by his um, relatives, so he has to make a successful match and get money that way. And you've got the Ferrises as well. Um, Edward Ferris is the second son, so he decides to become a clergyman uh, and he is reliant on Colonel Brandon giving him the living in his possession. And of course, it's Robert Ferris's inheritance that makes Lucy Steele go for him instead at the end when she realises that Edward's been cut off from his family and won't have anything. So inheritance and property and social status really are the driving forces of sense and sensibility. But what were the Georgian laws about inheritance? You'd be forgiven for thinking uh, from reading Jane's novels and other works from the time that ladies couldn't inherit anything, uh, that they were just completely disregarded in terms of inheritance. However, that's not exactly the case. Um, Even in Pride and Prejudice, we see Lady Catherine de Bourgh is the head of her own estate and also uh, Emma Woodhouse in Emma clearly has no worries about what's going to happen to her when her father dies. But these characters do seem to be rather in a minority and that is because for the Georgians, property was power and your social standing was very important to how you were treated. Simply put, uh, the more property and possessions that you had, the more powerful you were and the better your social standing. And this is where inheritance comes into it, because it was legal for daughters and second sons uh, and third sons and so on to be left property by their parents. 
but that would weaken the power that the family had. Say, for example, um, there's a there's a man, uh, and he has two sons. He decides when he dies that he's going to split his property between his two sons. Each son is now half as powerful as their father was because they've got half the property. If those two sons go on to have two sons each of their own, then those four children will be a quarter as powerful as their grandfather. And eventually the family line is going to wither out and there's going to be nothing left for this family to have. And the worst thing for any Georgian family was to lose their social power and to fade into obscurity. So entails and the rule of primogenitor think I've pronounced that correctly, uh, were in place to help stop the dilution of power from a family. In Sense and Sensibility, we are mostly dealing with primogenitor, uh, and this is the idea of the first son inheriting. Um, the first son would get all the, all the good stuff, the powerful stuff, the property, the land, uh, and so forth, whereas the second son and any subsequent sons would get more personal items like um, possessions and things like that. Um, and this, as I said, we see with the Brandons and with the Ferrises in Sense and Sensibility, both Colonel Brandon and Edward Ferris are second sons. And that has informed the way that their lives have taken shape. Because the second sons didn't inherit property and land and any titles, for example, that their parents had, they had to make their own lives. Um, they had to go on and get a job and to set themselves up by themselves. Um, and it was very common for second sons to join the army <laughs> to become clergymen, uh, which is, of course, what Colonel Brandon and Edward Ferris do, respectively. Normally... Life for the second son would then carry on much as it does for Edward Ferrers in the novel. Um, it's rather like Prince Harry and the British royal family. Um, he's still part of the family, but because his elder brother has taken the position, any children that that elder brother has then have the rights to possession over the second son. And the second son continues to live his own separate life. And that is the rule of primogenitor passing from first son to first son to first son to first son throughout the generations. However, sometimes it doesn't quite work out like that. And that is when you need an entailment. And this is what we see with Colonel Brandon in Sense and Sensibility. An entailment is this well-known idea that on the death of the head of the family, if they don't have any sons, all of their property then gets passed on to the next male heir. Uh, and we see this, of course, with Colonel Brandon. When his elder brother dies, he then inherits um, his brother's estate. And again, this is to keep the maximum amount of power within the family. It is possible that a uh, head of a family could pass it on to other people, but obviously it would be diluted. So what an entail does is ensures that one person with the family name, uh, because of course daughters will get married and the name will pass on to somebody else, um, gets to keep 
the power of that family together. And once an entail is set up, it is legally binding and it's pretty hard to get rid of. Um, in Pride and Prejudice, for example, Mr. Bennett talks about wanting to break the entail. If he ever had a son, he would break the entail with him because it had to be with uh, the next person to inherit. Uh, and he would break the entail and that means that his daughters would inherit some of the property as well and they'd be looked after after he's gone. Unfortunately, Mr. Bennett doesn't have a son and he knows that he's never going to get Mr. Collins to agree to breaking this entail. And so Longbourn is passed down to the nearest available male heir in perpetuity, basically. And this is why um, Marianne, Eleanor uh, and the rest of the Dashwood women aren't able to get any of the property. Uh, the, the house is entailed to the eldest son and he might be a little bit nicer towards his sisters and his stepmother, but his wife is pretty awful uh, and doesn't want them to have anything. So there's no way that John Dashwood is going to be breaking this entail to make sure that his stepmother and stepsisters are looked after. And this is why Sense and Sensibility, uh, I would argue at any rate, is driven by property law and inheritance law. For example, if Mr Dashwood had broken the entail with his son, uh, Marianne and Eleanor wouldn't be in the position they're in at the start of the book. If Colonel Brandon hadn't been stuck in the rules of um, an, an entail, he wouldn't have had to inherit his brother's land. If his brother had had a son, he wouldn't be back in the country to meet uh, Marianne and Eleanor. And if Edward Ferris hadn't been a second son, he wouldn't have been a clergyman and he wouldn't have entertained the idea of, of marrying Lucy Steele, who then goes after her brother, who obviously does inherit uh, because he has more worth and more wealth than his younger brother. And of course, you've got Mr. Willoughby as well, who clearly loves Marianne. I can't deny that. Um, but he has to make a good marriage so that he stays in his relatives' good books and is able to continue as the next heir to that estate and therefore have a living and have money. And all these interweaving stories within Sense and Sensibility do make inheritance law and property law seem quite complicated on the surface. But in reality, it's pretty simple and it all comes down to those basic things that have been driving humanity for forever, and that is money and power. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austinite. I hope you've enjoyed it, um, and I hope you now have a better understanding of, of the inheritance laws that, that guided the world that Jane Austen lived in. If you did like the podcast, uh, please give us a like, leave a comment and share it with everybody. Share it with your friends, your family, your enemies, your frenemies, people you meet on the street. <laughs> just just share it around. That would be great. Um, so yeah, thank you once again for, for listening and I will see you next week. And as ever, happy reading. Your faithful servant, the author.